Good morning. You doing all right? I'm going to read to you the Christmas story out of Luke 2. In those days, we're getting all Charlie Brown on you, okay? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration that when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, at the, he was of the house and the lineage of David. And he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with the child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angel went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see what has happened there, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all, you heard, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as had been told to them. The story is, is an epic story, really. It began in creation, and it's com- it, it comes to fruition during the Christmas season in which God is redeeming a people who have been lost in sin. And so through the line of David and the house of Israel, that people comes the Savior. And we have this story unfold in the first parts of the gospel narratives. And in Luke 2, we read this, and I mentioned Charlie Brown. Have you ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special? You know, Charlie Brown's searching for the meaning of Christmas, and Linus gets up, and he recites this. And it's one of those great moments in which the real meaning of Christmas is right there. And as we look at this today, sometimes it takes a poet or a songwriter just to give, a, give you a lyric to make, make you think about things that are important differently. And if you look at the song, Oh, Holy Night, there is a line in it. We're talking about this incarnation, the fact that, that God comes to earth in the person of Jesus. And he says this, a thrill, it's a thrill of hope, and the weary world rejo- rejoices. When we looked at a thrill of hope. When you think thrill, you think joy rides, you think, you think amusement parks, at least I do. You think about that, that exhilaration that you feel. And, and Jesus comes after 400, 500 years of waiting and, and, and he shows up on the scene. The prophets had foretold him. God has been silent for so long, and now he appears, and the hope appears. Secondly, we see that a weary world rejoices. And so if you think about it, if you think about rejoicing, what I think about most is Christmas morning. 
If you have kids or you were a kid, that should be everybody here, okay? Either you were a kid or you have a kid, or you might right be a kid now, so you're even thinking about it. Even when you got older, Christmas was was one of those things where you rejoiced, okay? So what's going to happen tomorrow morning when when we wake up is it's going to be, it's Christmas, it's Christmas! My little five-year-old's going to go jump, he's already jumping up and down the bed, it's Christmas Eve today! He's like, tomorrow's Christmas! And he's jumping on the bed this morning like, he's so excited at 6 a.m. I never get excited at 6 a.m., no matter what happens. He's jumping up and down, and there's a he is rejoicing, and what will happen is he will tear into those presents like a piranha tomorrow. <laughs> okay, it will be a whirling dervish of of rejoicing over these things that are here. And I just got to thinking about it. In 1997 was now 20 years ago. That's crazy to think about, right? And so you got 1997. Um, the the top toy in 1997 was the Tomagotchi which was a little, I know, right? Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. I didn't either, okay? It's this, li- it was like an animal, like it, like it was a digital animal that you kept on a keychain and you had to feed it and stuff. And I don't know why you would want a responsibility, electronic responsibility, but that's what was like really important for kids. And if you go look at the things that were like tops, 1993, the top selling toy of Christmas, was the, the talk boy from Home Alone 2, okay? You remember he recorded things, and you remember that thing? Uh, we got Tickle Me Elmo, I think was 95. What an awful idea that thing was. If you ever have heard Elmo go off in the middle of the night, which we have at our house, it's the creepiest sound in the world. And they all light up, light up red. It looks like, like a demon's coming out of your floor. Like, Elmo wants to play! And you're just like, that is bad news. Now you think about that. Maybe you got that toy or maybe you bought that toy for somebody. Where is it? I had a talk boy, 1993. It's gone because nobody uses tapes anymore. It had a tape in it. For some of you who don't know what tapes, go Google it, okay? And you think about it, all that, that rejoicing, and now several years later, it's nowhere to be found, or you might find it in a thrift shop, or if you're getting real nostalgic, you could probably th- pay $300 on eBay to have it. But those things that caused rejoicing kind of left. But the God who comes to earth in the flesh, Jesus, gives us a rejoicing that goes beyond our circumstances. And that is what we see here I want us to look specifically at this Christmas story. Jesus is born. He's born in this in the stable, if you will. We don't know. We don't. You know, we get. We kind of extrapolate the story. You know, about the no room in the inn. We don't get. We don't hear anything about the innkeeper. We don't hear anything. It just says there was no place. It's almost like Murphy's law has taken place. So I have to take my pregnant wife on a trip on a donkey, down several days trip. And when we show up at the hotel, the reservations are lost, and we have no place to stay, but they give us, like, the broom closet, if you will, or, you know, the stable. And then from that, what happens? Murphy's Law kicks in, and then she goes into labor. Old Joe was probably not pleased, okay? And so we get to this place where that happens, and we focus on that so much, but I want us to look today at who, pro- who proclaimed that Jesus was born, and who, he, who they proclaimed it to. In verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, we see this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. So in those two verses, we see this. The people who got the first 
pronouncement about Jesus being born were shepherds. And who was doing the pronouncing? Well, it was one angel. And so we see that right off. And in these pronouncements, as we look at these things, we look at who it came to, who the pronouncement of Jesus' birth came to, and we look at who proclaimed it, I can see this. We can see reasons to rejoice. Not reasons, not like Christmas reasons, which are fun, not like Christmas morning reasons, like, oh, I got this, and then I'm up, the kid plays with the box, or a year later, they don't know where that thing is. Not something, not a temporary joy, but there is a rejoicing, a deep rejoicing that surpasses our circumstances, and it's in Christ and his coming, and I hope we can see that this morning. And at first, I want you to note, note this, and here's a reason why you can rejoice with a joy that doesn't go away too quickly. Because God regards the lowly or the low ranking. Because do you know who gets the first proclamation? It's the shepherds. The shepherds in the same region. And now they're outside, they're, they're in a suburb of Jerusalem, Jerusalem being the big city. Bethlehem, which means house of bread, where David was from. Do you know what was there? Nothing. It's a rinky-dink little town. And you know what one of the common things people did there? Farmed or raised sheep. It's the middle of nowhere. And so they don't, but people had to go for this census. They're there. They're in the same region. And the shepherds, what were they doing? They're out in the field watching their sheep. This would have been a common thing. But this job was not the number one job on people's job lists, okay? So what happened was shepherding used to be, if you look in the Old Testament, shepherding used to be the thing people would do. That was it. And especially when they were more nomadic and they were moving from place to place. Shepherding was kind of the hip career, the way that you could sustain a family life. But then we get to a, a next part of, of Israel's history, especially when they get firmly rooted in their new land and their new home. You see, they move from being nomadic and they move from being those people who watch sheep as much, and that being the primary job, to raising plants, if you will, or farming. And as that happens, you know what they did? They gave the dirty work of watching animals to those who were less skilled, the young people, hired hands, people who really weren't the top echelon. It was the low-paying job. And you can understand why you wouldn't want to hang out with sheep all the time. Have you been around one? We went to the Dixie Stampede last week. I got to go to Gatlinburg for a little bit. You ever been there before? It's a dinner theater, and what happens in the middle of it is there's horses riding. It doesn't seem like you would want to eat your food while horses are running around, because horses, they stink, right? And they, they have leavings and all that type of stuff, and it's unpleasant, okay? And, and so you're there, sitting there, and they are making every possible attempt to make that, not, that place not smell like a barnyard. But there's a little bit of barnyard smell while you're eating. It's not super pleasant. And that is in our our culture of, of overly hygiene, and I love it, okay? Wear your deodorant. I'm good with that, okay? But we, you know, we're like the cleanest people who've ever lived on the earth, okay? We take two showers. People used to be like, I take one shower a month back in the, I'm glad you don't, okay? That would not be good. But we get in this, this kind of homogenized, you know, sealed off environment, and then you have just this little odor, and you kind of, well, it's unpleasant, but soon they serve you a whole rotisserie chicken, and you're fine, okay? And... If you think the shepherds were living out in the living out with their sheep all the time, you can imagine the smell. You can imagine the work. The work is one of those twenty four seven things. This is not a primo job. And there are some people that have gone out and said that they were the outcasts of society. I don't know. I don't. I do know this that it was not a cushy job, and they were not the people 
who you thought if a king was born, you'd proclaim it to first. These people were not the best and brightest, the superstars. These were people who were just low-ranking members of society. And who comes? The angel comes to them first. Now, we do know this. You know, David, it was David's house. They went to, Joseph was of the line of David, which means David was in his family tree. And not only that, David, we know about him, King David, he was a shepherd. And he kept, he was, this was his hometown. He kept sheep right there. We also know Jesus would be the good shepherd. And so there's so many levels going on here. But here is what, what really we need to focus and see this morning, is that Jesus, or God, regards the lowly. He regards those who are low-ranking. He regards those who are humble. He regards those who are working menial jobs in menial places and menial times. He regards the sinner. He regards, he thinks about those who are the down and out. And so here's a reason to rejoice. Even if you are forsaken by so many people, the God of heaven comes to the lowly. No matter how low down you are because of sin, your own personal choices, the things that have come into your life, the God of heaven cares. That's amazing. It is so amazing that he would come and he would care. Are any of you expecting a Christmas gift from, I don't know, the President of the United States or the governor of this, of this, of, 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 of this state? I couldn't get state out. That was the word I was trying to get. You might expect an, like a real Christmas card, not one of those like Christmas cards, like those like form Christmas cards you get from the governor of Tennessee. Anybody expecting one of those? Anybody expecting a phone call from the governor being like, hey, thank you for being a Tennessee resident, volunteer state. Just wanted to let you know Merry Christmas from the governor to you. Am I expecting that? No, I'm not. If it happened, I would get suspicious like a SWAT team's about to come in or something. You wouldn't expect to be known. God, so much greater, so much higher, regards these shepherds, and it shows that Jesus has come for the lowly. Now, you might be here today and not considering yourself lowly. I want, to, I want you to consider the fact of this, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I just want you to consider that because, listen, if we to compare ourselves to other people, you might be doing great. But if we compared ourselves to God and his holiness, we are all lowly. We are all beggars at the throne of God's grace. If anything good is going to come to us, it's not going to be because we deserve it. It's going to be because he graciously gives it. And when we come to this story and we see who God proclaimed good news to, these shepherds, these low, down and out, the low, the people working the menial job in this middle of nowhere town, they, they, are regarded by God enough for him to send his messenger, the angel, to say, I got good news for you. And so here is the rejoice. No matter where you are and how low you may feel, the God of heaven cares. Because, and you can see this clearly because he sent his son and he proclaimed his son to the low of the low. Walked in a shop in Gatlinburg last week. 
I think it was Thursday or Friday. I walked in there, and it was a shoebox size. Okay, it was like a closet. It was one of they sold toys. Okay, and there my little boys. Like, I want to see the toys. So we walked in to this, and it was of a zillion degrees, okay? We went best billion to a zillion. It was so hot in this little box, and you could barely get three or four adults in there. And there, everybody's in there, and I see the lady behind the counter, and I said, she's a young girl, probably 19, 20, and I said, hey, how you doing today? She's like, she looked at me with just the saddest look in her eyes, and she said, well, it's Christmas. I was like, man, what is happening in her life? I didn't want to get into it because I was going to die from heat stroke if I didn't leave. But I just was seeing the pain in her eyes and to see how low she goes. And just to think that she might, she, she's in this place where she might, her life may look like it is just the down in the dumps, the lowest possible. But here is the good news, that God cares. And so here we see that. There's a reason to rejoice because God regards you. He he regards you. Second thing, he brings the good news to the lowly. He doesn't just regard you, but he brings good news. And so in verse 9, it says, As the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Well, duh. I wish they could add the duh here, okay, to that. Because just think about it. We read it so quick. It's one sentence as it goes. And they were sitting around watching their flocks by night. We just had SpaceX, the company out in California, sent up a rocket, and people were losing their ever-loving minds. It's a UFO! They're calling NORAD, help us! Okay, because they didn't know what the rocket trail was going on in the sky over California. Okay, they didn't understand it, so they are flipping out. So I want you to think about this. If people were get, getting that worked up about that, well, Angel shows up. Now, angels don't look like, you know, I've talked about this, they don't look like cherubs. They're not wearing diapers and little cute babies. They were these fierce warriors, and so they were there, and all of a sudden, the whole sky lit up, not just one little, oh, look at the comet trail. It was like, boom, the lights come on. The, the, it's like, have you ever been driving on the interstate where they're working at night, and they got those lights on that are like, they have as many lumens as the sun, you know, and you can't see, and they're like, this has got to be safe. Let's work in the middle of the night with these things pointed at people. It's a great idea. And so you, you, can you imagine all of a sudden you're sitting out in the dark and then poof, it just fills with light. The angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's the glory of the Lord is the shining forth of his presence. And so that is why I can tell you it was a brilliant radiant light. And every time the Lord appears, especially in Luke's gospel or, or the messenger appears, everybody is afraid. If it was a little cherub, or a little effeminate thing, it would not be frightening. But this is the glory of God through his, his messengers, these warrior angels. And it appeared to him, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. That's why I wanted to put duh. Sitting there, watching your sheep, going about your menial life, and then all of a sudden, the glory of God intersects. Boom! Fills, glory fills fear. And so what does the angel says? And what, what, what has to be said here in verse 10? And the angel said to them, fear not. Get yourself together. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Don't be afraid. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to destroy you. I'm not here for you to be afraid. I am here, sent as a messenger of God, to bring you good news of great joy. And here is what this message consists of. 
and it will be for all people. So this, that's why we're talking about regarding, every, like if you're in a lowly place, there is regard for you for God because he, this message is for all people. You're not too far away from it. You're not too low for it. You're not too high for it. You are not, you are not a, separated so far that God's grace and his good news can't reach you because this is for all people. And then it goes on in verse 11, for unto us, and here is where the good news comes in of great joy. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You're watching sheep, shepherds. You're right outside Bethlehem. You're watching sheep. I want you to know something. In town, in the town that is known for the hometown of David, they probably had a marquee. David was born here. Have you ever been to Abraham Lincoln's birthplace? If you just drive a little bit way up into the Bluegrass State, you can see Abraham Lincoln's birthplace. Not much to it. In fact, it is this rickety little cabin, one room wood cabin. In the middle, of it, they built like this huge mausoleum for it. I, we stumbled upon it one time, okay? And I was, I was like, oh, Abraham Lincoln was born here, okay? So we pulled, we pulled, I thought it was Illinois, but Kentucky, there you go. So we pulled off the road in Kentucky, and we saw this thing, and we went in, and it's got this great big mausoleum, you know, to, to house the house, and you walk in, and it's a one-room shack in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. And Abraham Lincoln was born right here. And so David, the city, who knows, we may have a sign that says, born here, King David. And in this city, these angels appear to these shepherds who are doing what King David used to do. They appear to them, and he said, I got good news for you of great joy. And from David's line, in the city of David, from David's line is a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. The good news is when you realize your lowliness, you realize your need of a Savior. One of the great enemies of our hearts, one of the great enemies of our souls is our pride. We tend to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, and as such, we see the grace of God as something not needed, or needed in certain areas where I lack, but in my stronger areas. I don't need the grace of God. I will venture to tell you this, that you need a Savior, and I need a Savior more than we know. Even our good deeds aren't usually that good. Even our good deeds are usually mixed with a hodgepodge of different, uh, <laughs> different thoughts about why we do different motivations, right? Have you ever done a good deed out of spite? You're married, you have. Okay? You ever taken the garbage out out of spite? Wash the dishes out of spite? Well, I did a good thing. You didn't do it with the right heart. Oh, we are, we are such in need of the grace of God. And usually it's our lower position that helps us realize how much we need help. But sadly, when our pride rises, we don't see Christ as the Savior He is. It just makes sense that the angels declared the good news of a Savior to those who were in low position first. Because they are the most apt or the most available to hear it. 
And so the good news is this, is the good news comes to the lowly. And you need a Savior, and I need a Savior. And the Savior came in this perfect, perfect way, being called for and predicted by all the prophets and coming in flesh as a child. God himself became a helpless babe who, has had, who had to be taught how to walk and talk. What a, what a profound mystery. What a cause for awe and reverence that God would come as a little baby. And he would come, and as he breathed, his breath would be the breath of righteousness and skin. That his blood that coursed in his body would be the blood that would wash away our stains. Oh, how God would condescend to be born in the middle of nowhere in a stable and then to have his birth proclaimed not to the elite, not to the entertainer, not to the press, but to some dudes watching some sheep in a field. And he would come and he would proclaim to those who are of low position good news. And the good news is that from David's town, in David's town, is a Savior who's come in flesh, and you get to rejoice that he has come. And so we see that there is, we could rejoice because God regards the lowly, and certainly we are the lowly. And not only that, we can rejoice because God brings the lowly good news that we need a Savior, Christ the Lord, a Savior who would die on our behalf to pay a debt we owed that he did not owe, to cover sins so that we, whoever believes in him, won't perish but have everlasting life. That is good news. And then through that good news, we have cause to rejoice because we get to see the glory of God. If you would look in verse 11, it says, or verse 12, it says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, the swaddling clothes, just, just, just to let you know, there's nothing special about that. There was not like a particular, you know how now you can get a baby blanket that's got like ways to swaddle a kid that, has, you know, it's like complex diagram. You do baby origami, you know, and it's trying to get them to sleep. Here, it doesn't work. Anything to keep a baby from crying, it doesn't work. They cry. You know that, okay, if you have a little baby. They're just going to cry. You can wrap them like a burrito. You can throw them up and down. Don't do that, okay? They... <laughs> They're, they're going to cry, okay? So, so here's the idea. They would wrap him in this, it's this cloth. And they would wrap him up because it was cold. Or babies get cold, even if it wasn't cold in this time of year there. They'd wrap him up. And he's laid in a manger. So there's two things. The swaddling clothes, it's just they wrapped him in a blanket or cloth. They laid him in a manger. So two things. First, it shows the mother's care because, you know. Obviously, oh, cute little baby, wrapped him up and put him in. But then it shows the lowliness because he's laid in a manger. My son the other day thought a manger was something like, isn't a manger from heaven? I was like, no, nah, it's just a feeding trough for cows. And he was like, really? I thought it was like something like heavenly or whatever. And I, well, it, it was because of who it contained. And it shows that if, I, if someone came into your house, and you had your kid laying in a feeding trough, they might call the authorities. Right? Something's not right here. This is not a bouncing walker or whatever. You got your kid in a trough. That's weird. 
but the fact that we have the swaddling clothes show that Mary, she was a good mom, but she was in a bad spot. The manger shows that because like, what else? What else are we gonna do what we got to do, man. Let's just use the trough. And you go on, and you see in verse 13, and suddenly, so there was one angel, now this changes. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, an army of angels just popped up. So these, these shepherds had a weird night. They're probably like, what did we eat? Okay, at first, you know, they were probably that, that question for a minute. Because these things, and then all of a sudden, all of the angelic host fear, appears, and there with the, and the glory of God shining from them. And they were praising God and they were saying this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so first off it says, I want you to know from the highest of the highest to the, to the earth, the glory of God is made known in Christ. And so we see this. There is a reason for rejoicing because through Jesus, we get to see the glory of God. I want you to know the glory of God, that's a, that's a very, it's an out there term. We sometimes use terms in big ways that we don't think about their meaning. The glory of God is the shining forth, the radiance of his character and all who he is. And so here is the goodness. When we see Christ, we see the shining forth of the goodness and radiance of God. Because this, God is merciful and gracious. Why? Because he came. He could have left us. He could have left us. We, were, we had all gone our own way. We all told, told him to take a short walk off a long bridge, or no, long walk off a short bridge. We said, God, we want to do things our way. We've all sinned. We've all, all fallen short. God doesn't owe us anything, but God in his grace and mercy came. And this was a plan set out before the world began, before t- in, in eternity past, that God the Father would send God the Son, and God the Spirit would apply all of God the Son's work to all who would believe. Oh, what a story. What a story. What a glory God. He, he's a loving God. Not only is he a loving God and a gracious God and a merciful God, but he's a just God. Do you know why he's a just God? Because he killed his own son that, that his holiness, the, 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 the cost of his holiness might be satisfied because God is just. And he couldn't just let sin go. Sin has to be punished. And so in this, we see the holiness of God, but we also see the grace of God because in Christ, Christ takes our place. He punishes sin on Christ, on our behalf, so that we might have life not paying our penalty, but having Christ's righteousness and obedience applied to us so that we no longer have to fear judgment because Christ took it and we're washed clean because we have his righteousness. This is the glory of God shining through. And, and Christmas show, it's all there. It's just the shining forth of the radiance of who God is. And I want you to know something. God is better than the best thing you got. God is the ultimate goal. To know him, to be with him, to be at peace with him, to have his righteousness, to have eternal life with him. God is the goal. And here in the good news, in the manger, we see the shining forth of the glory of God the radiance of his presence. And the angel says, from the heavens to the earth and all in between, glory to God in the highest. 
Think about the highest thing you got. Glory of God is higher than that. This is good news. We get to rejoice because we get to see the good news. And here is the best news of best news. Glory to God in verse 14. The angels proclaim and they sing, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The glory of God shines from the highest to the earth. It shines everywhere. It shines brightest through the gospel, through what Jesus has done, this good news of a Savior. And it brings to us on the earth peace and we are now pleasing to God. You ever felt like you don't measure up? You ever thought about you have to go back to that high school reunion? You're not as happy as where you are in life as you're not where you thought you'd be, and you're kind of afraid you were most likely to succeed or whatever. You're afraid to go back to that 20-year reunion because, man, I don't measure up anymore. Gained a little weight, lost a little hair. What are we going to do? People are going to look at you. And they're going to judge you. Have you been in another position where some of you college students and, and, and those in high school where you turn in a paper and you got it done and you turned it in? And you get it back, and it looks like they've, they've killed a chicken with a weed eater on it. I mean, it's just red everywhere. And you can't really argue, because you didn't have subject-verb agreement. And you didn't check that source. And Wikipedia is not a source you should use. And you got no, you got to measure up, but you just don't. Many people may have a demanding, you may have parents that just demanded so much out of you that it was, you constantly feel like you're inspected. Some of you are worried about the holidays because you're going to hear disappointment because you know you don't measure up from your family members that you've, you've run into. But what does the proclamation of the angels say? The glory of God is shining forth from the highest. Glory to God in the highest. But on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I'm going to tell you some just the best news. If you are in Christ, if you are trusting in Christ, God is pleased with you. Not because you're good, not because you're perfect, but because you are in Christ and you have his righteousness. You will never be good on your own. You will never be good enough. You will never be right with God. God will never be pleased with you on your own. But through this baby in a manger who was God in the flesh, he would grow and he would die on a cross and he'd be resurrected and he would ascend and he reigns and it shows once and for all that he is God in the flesh and that he paid for sins, that we can know peace with God through Jesus. And that is a joy that is far greater than the toy that you open in 1997 and don't have anymore. Because that is a momentary fleeting joy. It comes and it goes, but the peace of God and knowing that he is pleased with you goes far beyond all measure and is with you forever because those whom he has set free are free. Those whom he is, are ple- those who he is pleased with, he is pleased with forever because he finished the work on the cross, which the manger points to. 
And so God is pleased with us. We don't have to, if you are in Christ, let me be very clear. If you're not in Christ, he is not pleased with you. And you need this good news. You need to come to him by faith and trust all he's done, and then you'll be right. But for those of us who are, God is pleased with us. He's not grading your term paper anymore. He's not saying, mm, you gained a little weight, lost a little hair. He's not, he's not looking at you and saying, I wish you had a better job. He's looking at you and said, that is my child. I'm well pleased in him because he is in Christ, and Christ was God in the flesh, and he did everything right, and his righteousness and his robes are on that child of mine. Oh, what good news is that? You don't have to constantly compare yourself to your neighbor to, to make yourself feel better. They kick their dog. I don't. I'm better. They yell at traffic. I don't. I yell at traffic a lot because that's definitely not me. But God is pleased, not because of me, but because of Jesus. And the, the angels proclaim something that would be a reality at the resurrection. And that is this, that the glory of God is shining forth that we might rejoice because we see the character of God in Christ. And there's peace on earth. And among those with whom he's pleased, he is pleased with those who are in Christ. He loves us. Oh, we don't have to measure up. Oh, we don't have to keep the law because it was kept for us. Yes, we want to obey. You know why? We want to obey him because he's a loving, good father who loves us and showers blessings upon us. Yes, we want to obey, but he's pleased. We're not trying to earn his favor. Oh, you might have spent your whole life trying to earn somebody's favor. You might be spent your whole life trying to be a people pleaser. But you can't. You won't win. The only way that you, God will be pleased with you is in Christ. And when you are in Christ, he is pleased with you. So he doesn't look at you and he doesn't go through the top ten things right away that, that reasons why you stink. He just goes, this is my child. And he's in, he or she's in Christ. I see Christ's righteousness. Yes, I see things. I'm going to move them away from their sin towards glory, but I'm pleased. So when you go home and you get your Christmas on, okay, you open their presents, drink eggnog if you have a problem. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do your turkey, ham, pork loin, whatever you got. Do it for the glory of God, knowing that he's pleased He's pleased you are righteous in Christ. And if you are here today and you do not know him and you are not born again and you have not known this joy that surpasses understanding, that, that joy that makes it through the night, joy that is with us in the deep sorrows and in the pain, joy that is better than the Tomagotchi in 97 or the Talkboy in 93 or the Tickle Me Elmo in 95, it's a joy that's far surpassing. If you don't know that, believe. Turn from your sins and trust Christ because there is good news for you. You need a Savior. I don't care how low you are. He came for the lowly, and he is Christ the Lord, a Savior, and glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men with whom he is pleased. He, there is a way that you can be right with God and ple be pleasing in his sight, and it's not by doing good. It's by trusting Christ who did it all. 
And so as we get together and we get our Christmas song, those who are in Christ, you walk in knowing that, you're, that, that God is pleased with you and worship accordingly because you became pleasing to God through the manger and the cross. And I can't plead with you anymore if you don't know him to turn from your sins and trust him because there is joy unspeakable that does not come and go, that is with you in every section of life, that, that, that is with you in the darkest of hours, in the valley of the shadow of death. There is joy in God because he came. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Father, thank you for sending the Son. Jesus, thank you for obeying and living a sinless life, obeying to the point of death. Thank you for dying vicariously. Thank you for being buried and being raised, ascending and coming again. And Spirit, thank you for your work until that day comes. God, may we rejoice this Christmas. Truly rejoice in you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Under your seat, there's a little tea light. If you would, go ahead and grab that and flip it to the on position. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to be dismissed like this. If you would, stand together. We're going to sing Silent Night together. And we're praying and just knowing that the, peace, that the peace of God would rest on your hearts through Christ. And as you're leaving, and we'll be dismissed after we get out of sing. As you're leaving, there's a box on the back there. If you just deposit those tea lights in it, that would be awesome. But as an act of worship and as, a, as, as knowing that the glory of God is shone, shining forth in Jesus and that there is peace available and, and being peace available to God and to man through Christ, we want to sing and end our service. Sun.